The Everyman Podcast. The Everyman Podcast. We're here, another week, another pod. This week, our guest on the show, he's an entrepreneur, he's a musician, he's an all-around everyman. He's Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you hot and ready like Little Caesar from the laboratory in the Garden State. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Barbarics. Aaron, how are you, brother? Hey, what's up? How you doing, right. man? Good, good. I see you. you're all posted up in front of that beautiful green wall. So right off the bat, man, tell us what's up. Where are you? What are you doing? Uh, right now, I'm sitting uh, in the workplace, uh, Blackwood, New Jersey. Um, they would. Kind of wrapping up the day here and, um, you know, kind of go home and work on some tunes. It basically never stops. It's like music about 24-7 around here. So That's not a bad way to way to live your life, though. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> nice. So nice. let's uh, let's rewind it here a little bit. Now, you are the, uh, I'm not going to call you the better half, but you are the other half to a recent guest here, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the lovely and talented Miss Farrah DeMorte. Um, and we all kind of got connected here through a, a mutual friend of Daryl's. And um, they said, hey, you know, every man material, let's get it. And um we had a great conversation with Farrah. You guys can check that out in the archives here. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's on all the podcast platforms. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about her modeling career and, and art and music and what she's got going on, her you know, battle with, uh, with, with breast cancer and, and how she overcame that. And, awesome. um, and now we're here to get the other side of the story. And uh, so that's the groundwork there. So tell us, man, what's your deal? You, you're a musician, right? Yeah, I'm a musician and guitar player primarily. Um been playing for uh well i can't do the math really but i've been playing since i was like 15 years old and i'm 49 so um it's a good run it's a good yes yeah still going yeah still going still play actively still playing a couple bands so how did you get into guitar is it did you have a because i find there's you know two stories i'm a musician myself and i was blessed my father was a is was a professional musician and i i had like the leg up from an early age at five years old i was playing and learning you know from uh from somebody who'd really done it at a high level for a long time uh and then there's then there was friends that i had that they were the first musician in their family of like 10 generations no one had ever touched an instrument um how did you get into playing were you is it a family thing or did you just were you the first one uh no so i was the first one um i mean i think I think my mom played French horn, but she was definitely not an active musician or anything like that. Like, it's pretty cool. That was retired in, when she was in high school. So, yeah, I kind of got it from, um, like, I would say, like, when I was when I was a little kid, I was primarily, like, like a science nerd and a, uh, and, and a sports kid. You know, I played soccer. I played baseball. I played golf. Um, I played, my, my dad wanted me to be a golfer. Like I was playing golf since I could hold a club. So, um, and I was pretty good and I guess I still am. I just don't never do it anymore. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I was like, got, you know, I started like listening to rock music and stuff like when I was, you know, seven or eight or nine. And then, um, in high school, um, I just, I, I can tell you exactly the exact moment, actually. I was sitting on the school bus going to school. I was like 15, I was 15 years old. I was sitting there, I had my Walkman on with my uh, 
Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet tape in. Nice. And I heard Wanted Dead or Alive, and there's like this little acoustic guitar intro to that. And I was like, man, that's really cool. I think I kind of want to do something like that. And I turned to my friend who was sitting next to me, and I said, you know what, I'm going to learn to play guitar. And he said, oh, yeah, I always wanted to learn to play bass. And uh, so we like went out and bought guitars and basses and got lessons and started learning to play together. And, um, and he still plays with me now in uh, our band with my wife, Farah, Sunset Strip. So his name's Eric. That's sick. awesome. Shout out to Eric. That's sick. Now, I, I want to talk about Sunset Strip because, you know, when Farah was telling us about the pod and uh, or t- talking to us about the, her band on the pod there, and I figure you're either, you know, strip club enthusiasts or you're uh, children of the 80s and, <laughs> right. and had a, have a, you know, uh, you know, a, a strong connection to some of those tunes. And, uh, there's all, there's, I love, I'm always listening to, you know, I got the Sirius and the Jeep and I've almost, my top three channels are like, you know, metal channel, the Bob Marley channel, gotta, gotta love the Bob. And then, you know, hair metal. Um, and yeah. I'm always, you know, whether it's white, you know, it's funny the day we left our, I think you'll appreciate this Aaron. the day we left our old house, uh, in Levittown, outside of Philadelphia, for the for the last time, we closed the doors up. That was it. Was going to sail the next, you know, going to closing the next day. Get in the car, turn on the ignition, the radio's on. Here I go again. By White Snake starts playing, and I was like, God, couldn't have, couldn't have, go. <laughs> couldn't yeah. have done this yeah. any better. You know, like yeah. it was like, it was like the soundtrack <laughs> to my to my exit of Levittown. Um, <laughs> and you know, th- those there's some music, there's classic '80s hair metal that was. At the time, it, you know, that stuff was like number one mainstream. Like there was still uh, like pop music similar to what it is now, but like those dudes were fucking running the shit, you know. And White oh, Snake yeah. and Warren yeah. and yeah. you said Bon Jovi. Like Bon Jovi, a lot of people don't realize they were hair metal before, and then they kind of softened up. They kind of they were like one of the first ones to kind of get off the the train um, in the '80s. There, you know, Motley Crue, um, just there's so much great music that unfortunately now the only time you hear it is like you go to a strip club and you're like, all right, cool. Let's go. You know, there, there it is. Uh, so it's cool to see you guys playing, playing those tunes. So um, I'm guessing you must've been like a big, you know, Van Halen, Motley Crue, White Snake, that kind of stuff. Once you started oh, yeah, playing yeah. guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Like high school, that was it. Like that's all I listened to. Um, it was hair metal stuff and, and like a lot of thrash bands. So nice. you're, Anthrax, Metallica, Slayer. Uh, yeah, Slayer, uh, all that stuff. Yeah, Pantera. Um, Pantera. Yeah, they came later. Um, yep. Like the yeah, the early. They had some hair metal that. stuff though. I mean, that's another one people don't. They you did. go, you go way back, and you're like, is that the same? Like that cannot possibly be the same singer. And you're like, oh hell yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, totally. Like th- that was like all we listened to. We dr- we you know I had I had long hair. Um, we dressed like the part. You know, we did the whole thing. Were you dressing we like a hot over- chick and all that? Yeah, well, kind of. I I got I probably followed a little bit more like the Metallica like jeans and t shirt kind mm-hmm. of look. You weren't doing um, the, but- the the eyeliner and the lip gloss and all that. Nah, that wasn't my thing so much, but that's but one of those things that I, Sunset Strip really is kind of more like that. Although obviously I'm not, I'm not looking like that right now. So. <laughs> I, that's one of those things where you look back on it and it's like, I wasn't there. I was born in 89. So it's like, 
what exactly were you going for here? Like, cause it's hard, it's hard out of context to understand how this look was like badass. Like you look like Chicks. a hot girl, you know? Chicks loved it. No, oh, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I get that. They they had they to. Loved it. They must have. And 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 the more they loved it, the more the guys did it. You're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you want to fucking see me tease this hair? I'll tease the hair. Yeah, that was hey, what hey. happened. Brother Jeff, you check that WordPress article. Like they have a picture picture of you, Aaron, and like your hair is long as shit, bro. And it's oh yeah, awesome. uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't see which one you had. <laughs> you you got to yeah. check it out. It's it's it was like, like waist length at one point. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I I, I can't tell based just on a picture if it went past your shoulders, but it was definitely to your shoulders. I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. nuts, I had man. A, had a pretty long, damn long for a long time. Most of my life, actually, until um until Farron and I had been dating for about maybe a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so except for the last five years, my hair has been long since I was like 15 years old. So dude, yeah, I had a, I had a good run long hair. And then as I got older, I did shorter long hair versions, but yeah, it's part of the, it's part of the cross to bear, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know how else is everyone <laughs> going to know you shred? Yeah. Sure. Now I, now I'm just like, now I have a beard. <clears throat> Yeah, that, 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 you know, it's, it's the metal metal on the inside still. Um, yeah. Now, so what were some of your, you know, influences when you started out uh, as far as guitar players go? Um, I would say, like, probably uh, my favorite, like, of that era was um, was uh, George Lynch. Oh, yeah. He gets oh, slept yeah. on. Dockin'. Dockin', yeah. Um, you do the fire! Yeah, yeah hell yeah. Yeah. I always yeah, love that uh, tiger stripe. My favorite. I was kind of obsessed on on his stuff um, when I was younger, and of course, like Van Halen, and yeah. he's jacked and too. Still, still, yeah, he's still like, not like he was at one point. He's he huge. was like bona fide bodybuilder. Yeah, and like, it looked like he was going to break and, his like, guitar competing, and competing and stuff in that. And then now he's uh, now he's just you know he stays fit. You know, he's just a fit old still guy. Yeah, up. I, I follow him on. Uh, on social media all the time and like he's funny he like still does great stuff and he still shreds he's amazing he's a great player i always loved his signature guitar that tiger stripe crazy colors and yeah the kamikaze yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah, it's 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 hard to you know there's only a handful of iconic guitars right like you know the les paul uh an eddie van halen wolfgang you know even you could say now a john petrucci model you see that you know you pretty much know what it is and then, like, it's hard. You Zach Wild. Then he did the bullseye. You know, like it's it's hard to come up with a a look that becomes a you know a thing. And uh, yeah, he, yeah. He, he definitely he definitely fit the bill there. What yeah. uh, he kind of too because he had one that was like a skeleton too. I don't know if you saw that. Oh one. yeah, yeah. He said a every was, year at Nam, I would see at the the ESP booths like every you know they they put out a variety of different color versions of it. Um, always always a sick guitar and Dawkins that's one of those bands that gets kind of maybe if you were there I don't know but looking back they kind of get lost in the the shuffle because now I think the, the music historians would have you think it was like it went from Led Zeppelin to Van Halen and then Metallica happened and that's it nobody else existed like there's no other you know like <laughs> there's no other and it's like well I mean you know like you said Anthrax and Slayer and Venom and uh, shout out to Anvil. Even Anvil was one of those bands that kind of talk about. Have you ever seen that film? Um, the truth, the, the the Anvil documentary. Nah, I've heard about it. That's kind of like on my list. I gotta get to it. So, and and this is a 
I'm going to indulge myself here for a moment. I highly recommend anyone, musician or not, you check out the Anvil documentary. And essentially these guys were, they're Canadian, and they had like one hit song, it was called Metal on Metal. And they, like, that record came out before, you know, Metallica even put out an EP or anything. And like, those guys all were into it. And it was like a big influence for them. And the, the way this documentary opens, it's them in like 1980 playing in some enormo dome in Tokyo. And there's like a hundred thousand people there and everyone's singing their song and they're fucking on top of the world. And then it cuts to them like in 2006 or whatever. And it's like, you know, they're living in squalor and like no one knows who they are. And like, they're still, they're still going, but like, they influence all these young bands that went on to revolutionize the metal world and they just got left behind. And mm. they did this documentary where like they, there's an amazing scene and Aaron, I'm sure you can relate to this where like you go on the road, you play a gig and like, you're supposed to get paid. And then they're like, well, there's actually, we're not, not only is there no stage, there's no sound guy, there's no audience. <laughs> it's actually, you know what I mean? Like it's everything that you thought it was. It's not, and then like you go, you play, yeah, you go to play and then they're like, they're, they're in like the Czech Republic and they play this gig in this restaurant and they were supposed to get paid. And then the guy's like, no, I don't have any money. And then he's like, we'll pay you in goulash, like soup, you know? <laughs> oh so they, 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 but the best part is they like have a meltdown and they're like, fuck this, you know, like going crazy. And then like, I don't want the soup. And then they're leaving like, you know what? Can I have the soup? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, in a nutshell and like so i saw this Wait, when I, I saw this when i this was before i started my music like i, I always been a musician and i was i hadn't had a chance to pursue it full-time yet i was still in school and um before all my my health stuff and i was a manager at a best buy musical instruments it was like a test run they only had a couple locations and mm -hmm. um it was like a, a full-blown sam ash or guitar center inside of best buy it was awesome a great job and uh so my manager, the GM of the store, wanted to, he saw the documentary, loved it, and we would bring in people to do, like, signings and shit. So Anvil was playing the TLA down in South Street, and he, like, hires a... We, we, we book them to come do a signing of the DVD because the DVD was, like... It was huge. It, like, made a huge... Made them a ton of money, brought them back to relevancy, and he gave them a little, little second run. So we get in... We get a limo. My boy, shout out to Eric... Eric Flegelman and I take this limo down to South Street. We get there, and here comes Lips and Rob Reiner, the drummer. And we're in the back of the limo, and I'm like 19 years old, bright-eyed, world ahead of me. I can make it in the music business kind of thing. And Eric goes, uh, so, uh, you know, Justin's a drummer. And he goes, oh, hmm, like that. And then I was like, okay. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like, uh you like want to do it for real? And I was like, yeah, that's my, that's what I'm working on right now. And I go, do you have any, any advice for me? And he looks me square in the eyes. He's like, don't do it. Just don't do it. Just stop now. Just <laughs> give up now. Jeez. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't do it. Like he, it wasn't like a, he didn't just say it like one time. It was like a, let me be perfectly clear. It's hopeless and there's no point, you know? And I'm thinking like, well, this is odd. Like you've been 
in, and they were like doing plumbing and shit in Canada. <laughs> and then they put this DVD documentary out. It gives them a whole new lease on their career. They're like back on the billboard charts. We're picking them up in a goddamn limo at the TLA to come do a signing where there was like 200 people waiting to meet them. And he was like, no, no, no don't do it. It's not worth it. You'll, you, you'll just end up killing yourself or addicted to drugs. Or, and I'm like sitting there like 19 years old in this limo, this guy who's like, he's a great drummer, you know? And, and he's just telling me like, just fucking don't do it, man. Don't do it. And then I remember getting out of the limo and looking at Eric. I was like, Hmm, all right. <laughs> you know? And then it, it was like the weirdest, it was so awkward. And then we took them back and it was just like, eh, you know, what are you going to do? And, um, <laughs> lips, big claim to fame lips. The singer is he does a guitar solo where he uses dildos and vibrators to, <laughs> to dude, look it up. I'm telling you, everyone listening to this is like, this is, this can't be real. Look it up. Anvil guitar solo on YouTube. And you will see this gangly long haired kind of looking like a goblin guy using this giant vibrator on his strings like a like an Ebo or like a you know wow. you, you remember the Ebos like he the the the, the, the <laughs> magnet thing. Um, oh yeah, I got him. Yeah, I got yeah, I got one too. And uh, yeah, so great show. Not really good advice. Uh, glad I didn't listen to him. And uh, glad you didn't listen to him either because otherwise I wouldn't have had some kick ass shit to play here at NFL. Film. That's right, you right. I know. So like I I, <laughs> I think back and I hope that someday. I'll be in a position to reverse that. You know, some young kid will come to me and be like, Oh, I want to be like, you know what? You should do it. You know, don't listen to Rob Reiner. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. (laughs) It's crazy. dude. Yeah. You guys would enjoy that. Um, so you're, you're, you're developing your, now, did you want to be a full-time musician? Like, did you know, or pretty early on that, like you were going to give it a go? Like, did you want to be like a touring musician? Did you want to just write? Like, what did you want to do? Yeah, I think uh, I think that was part of what I wanted to do when I was um, younger, and I did I, I did do a lot of original music. I was in a bunch of original bands for a lot of my um, musical life. Um, nothing really caught on until I was kind of older, though, and uh, I was in this band called Tios, T E O S, and. Um, it was that was like a metal band and uh that was like when i was like 30 something 30 something um and that lasted for like seven or eight years and we had like a really good run in philly um where we you know were playing like to room you know rooms full of people and we had um we were getting all kinds of offers for like opening up for this band coming through town and this band and all that. We went and did some dates with like Josh Todd from Buck Cherry, um, you know, a little like leg of a tour. We did some like real cool stuff with that band. Um, but it sort of fell apart because everyone in the band was like, like with families and too old to kind of like take it anywhere. Cause by the time people started to really like want to, uh, get us out there. Um, they're like, all right, so we want to get you on the road with like so-and-so. And we were like, well, how much are you going to pay us? And they're like, well, you know, you get like 15 bucks a day. And we were like, <laughs> yeah, I love um, it. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, That's not going to pay for my house and my car, my, uh, right. you know, all my other stuff and my, the, all the other guys in band, the kids and stuff. So that sort of would put the nail in that. We, we were like, I guess we're not going to, be rock stars after all so (laughs) it's it's so hard man and it's like 
I think about it a lot, you know, because I, I had an intentional pivot point where I was like, I've got two roads ahead of me. Like, I know I can do this. And I have the groundwork. And I have the connections. And I can, I can most importantly, I have the chops, you know. But do I, you know, at, at 26 or 27, whatever it was at the time, 28 maybe, do I want to spend the next 18 to 25 years living in a van and loading my own shit to get to the point where I could have a sort of comfortable salary sort of thing and not be loading a van. And then I'm like, no, because I realized as much as I love performing and as as much as I love music and and playing with my brothers and, and I mean, I don't have to tell you, man, like you, you get up on that stage and something happens to your brain and it makes everything worth it. I'll drive to Buffalo for no money. And you know what I mean? In one day and play and come back like, Sure, I'll. You know what I mean. Like you'll. Yeah, I'll go play Bike Week in in South Carolina for a hundred dollars for two weeks. Like you'll do these crazy things because of the the drug of of performance. But then I realized, like, I, I want to have things. I want to have a nice house. I want to like get married and have children and like. And it's like it becomes a thing where it's like, am I am I just like stroking the ego of my fifteen year old self at you know at this like, and you you get the, the doubt and there's you're it's so much a mental thing and it's uh and I hate and I don't want to you know young musicians that I know listen to this podcast I don't want them to think you know this is us dissuading them but it's like a balancing act and you've really got to make sure that, that that like that's what you want to do you know it's not easy yeah for sure. And I, I often talk to like, you know, young people that are coming in the store, uh, you know, and they're in bands and they're getting things happening, you know, they're, they're getting good things are happening. And I want to encourage them. I always kind of like, you know, if pressed about it, I'm like, look, it's a young man's game. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're, if you're 17, 18 years old and you're ready to get in that van and cross the country, like playing for nothing and lugging your gear do it like that's the time to do it you have no responsibilities in life so just get out there and do it like take your shot but there does come a point for most people where it's like all right this isn't practical like i can't really do that and i i know people that have pushed through it anyway and made it and i know people that pushed through it and now they're still nowhere. So, <laughs> right. It's a gamble. And like, you know, yeah. I was just yeah. out of town for, we just moved to Texas. Like I was saying, and for, for work, I had to go out to San Francisco for like 20 days. And, you know, we just got married in the fall of uh, 21. And it's like, you know, being away from, from my wife for that long. And I was like, man, again, if, if a 32 year old me would go back and tell 22 year old you, that, uh, yeah, you're going to be missing your girl so much that you can't imagine. And I'm like, the f- <laughs> fuck happened to me? You know, like, <laughs> I I used to be the man, you know? And it's like, uh, <laughs> and, and now you're like, but you're like, your life changes and, and things happen. And, you know, um, I w- we wouldn't have this this podcast here um, if, if I continued that path. So it's uh, like, I couldn't imagine being on the road. For, for any extended period of time now, you know, now with, with life, the way it is. And you said like, you know, you get, you have a kid, you get, you know, bills and a mortgage payment. Next thing you know, you're like, nah, yeah, I'll chill. Right. Yeah. So, and you, 
you the, the, the one thing I love kind of like the the cross studying here, like brother Jay, you started kind of with retail, you know, Best Buy, that type of thing too. You know what I mean? Like Aaron, you kind of did the same thing. Like you were you were like disc makers and like a couple other places. Like tell us about that because I'm sure that had some type of uh, you know, additive effect to your music career and like kind of you know, keeping you going. And yeah. then more, more importantly, you, now with the laboratory and your online business, like how did you, you know, hit that, uh, that, that every man entrepreneur muscle? Uh, yeah. So I like, I, I, I wanted to get, be staying, you know, I always wanted to work around music stuff. So I, um, I initially got a job like at a Sam Ash. There's one in Cherry Hill. I worked there. I worked there. I worked at what? the Sam Hill, the Sam serious? Ash Cherry Hill. Hell yeah. I was just about to say, okay. which one? Yeah. Yeah. Right by the mall. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I worked there. Um, you know, when it first opened for like, um, man, maybe like six months and they were not like really like use, utilizing me. I, I couldn't get on the sales floor. They were like making me like check bags at the door and stuff. And, uh, I was like, this job's not for me. So I went and worked at like a little independent store that was down in Turnersville called Old Town Music, which is still there. And they're like primarily like a music lessons place now. But back then they were like a retail store. And uh, I kind of managed their store for a number of years. And then I went to Disc Makers, um, which is a CD manufacturing place. A blast from the past right there. I haven't heard of Disc Makers in a long time. (laughs) What's crazy is, so when when I went to work there, I was just like employee number, like maybe 200. Um, and they had like five offices all around the country and stuff like that. By the time I left there, they had like 500 employees. They had, were growing like crazy. Then like two years after that, they were back to like 200 employees Whoa. because of what, ha- you know, with streaming and stuff. And, um, but even maybe even more interesting than that is they're still around and they're actually doing really, really well. They're kind of like the last man standing. So, um, so anyway, they're still there. And like, you know, I still know a bunch of people over there and all that, but I spent 10 years there. I've really learned a lot about business, about marketing. And, um, I really started to realize I had a bug to just do my own thing though. And, uh, I had done well enough there to be able to put, away money to start a business so i you know after a while i said okay guys thanks for everything and i went on my way and i started the laboratory with uh two other uh guys that we were all working at disc makers at the time and um we just thought we could do like kind of a better store like we were going into like the guitar center and the sam ash and cherry hill and kind of being disappointed like standing at the counter for 20 minutes waiting for someone to ring us up for drumsticks and stuff like it was just like you know it's 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 not that hard like it's got to be a way to do this <laughs> you know, so it that got, was our initial idea it got to a certain um, point for me with music stores where like and i don't want to sound like a snob because i'm generally not a snob you know with anything i, I enjoy fine things but i i'm especially coming from having a long time in retail i try to be very cool with retail people i know how hard it is but I would like go in and I'm like a professional sponsored drummer who's quite good, if I may say so myself. And I would go in and I'd say, I need four pairs of the Promark 5B nylon tip Japanese oak. And then some kid 
who's going to be there for a week, maybe three weeks max. Yeah. Well, have you tried out the, and it's like, ah, listen, <laughs> give me the drumsticks. I'm not here. Like, I, and that's when I stopped going into stores and I would just, I just started buying everything online or my sponsors would send it to me. Like, uh, you like, just don't, I don't want to be sold to. I'm not here. I'm here to acquire my raw material. It's like, that's the problem with music retail right now is like, if you go into home D, if you're a contractor and you go into home Depot, you go up to the pro desk and you're like, yeah, I need uh, a thousand sheets of plywood. And then they go, okay. They just trust. They don't even trust. They just know that because you're at the pro counter, you're a professional, you know what you're fucking there for. So I'm going to give you the shit you ask for. I'm not going to tell you like, oh yeah, well, have you heard about the new, uh, five eighths, you know, zebra wood. No, I'm here for the plywood. Give me the plywood. I got shit to do. You know, there needs to be like a, there has to be retail for people that have no idea that want, that need to be educated and sold to. And guitar center, when they put everybody out of business, they didn't know, do we want to be mainstream retail, like a target or a Best Buy and just sell cheap shit to whoever wants to walk in the door or do we continue to service the customers that got us here? And it's like they made a quit. They made a very bad decision to go the other way. And now you go into a guitar center. There's no one working there. You see the same ten guitars on the wall that you see in Cherry Hill or Philly or Los Angeles. Doesn't matter where you go. Same instruments, same crappy setups, same crappy amps. And now they're dying to do lessons. Like that's their whole thing because they put all of the small lesson places out of business that were like, you know, doing a couple guitar sales or amp repair or whatever. And then also teaching lessons, those places are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, it's the truth. I mean, they just, uh, they don't do what they used to do very well. And, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, and some of it gets to be like a little bit crazy because they were bought up by like a capital you know yeah Bain like capital a, uh, Mitt Romney Bain was capital that was that was his thing and then they loaded them up they loaded the company up with debt and then the, then the company can't make any money and it's defaulting on its debt mm-hmm. and then you have bad leadership you have people that aren't musicians and stuff that are like at the top that don't yeah. understand the customers and it's a mess like it's just what happens it's that's you know major corporation like version of or, or that's what you get when it's like a, just a giant corporation trying to like cater to a bunch of creative people, you know, it's not going to work really. And I loved, I love Best Buy. I, st- I continue to be a Best Buy shopper. Loved my time at Best Buy. I learned so much again, shout out to Eric learned so much that I use to this day, you know, with, with managing people and, and Best Buy, they treated the MI thing like that. Like they're like, well, we're really good at selling boxes of shit. This is no different. And I was like coming in there trying to tell these people like, listen, it doesn't work like that. Like you've got to, like, you don't just, usually you don't just come in and just buy it. Not every guitar is the same. Like, what do you mean? And it's like, no, they're not all the same. Things change. You got to play them. It's going to take time. It takes time to build up a customer base. You got, you know, like they had never gone and bought an instrument as a musician to try and understand what it is that you're looking for. And they tried to, to treat it like 
it was no different than a washing machine or a television or a computer or whatever. Like, oh, it gets in, it comes up, you put it up there, people want it, and they buy it and they leave. It's like, no, dude. That's, it's, it's not that simple. Yeah. You know, what if you get one that's got wonky frets? You know, how many times you gone right. into a guitar shop, Aaron? Well, I just lost my thing. There you go. How many times you gone into a guitar yeah. shop and you play five different strats and four of them are shit? Uh, yeah, it happens all the time, right? <laughs> right. But, like, at the same time, when you go to buy a new truck – you drive five Jeep gladiators. They're all probably going to be the same. Like it's a, and it's like music is just, and then on top of it, like you don't go into a JC pennies and be like, yeah, I see that sweater is $69. What's my price? Like there's music retail is the last, <laughs> the last place you can bar, like you can haggle and barter with people. And it's like, they didn't want to do that. And you're like, well, you can kind of have to like because like, that's just how it is that's just how it is and you also you, you need that people too that are like oh hey justin what's up man more of those oak five b's here you go right where are you mm-hmm. playing this weekend have a good one man right yeah, right you need that that's like, the yeah they, yeah yeah like but i think we're i think as a whole i think we're gonna be we're heading back to more small group things i think we've not to get into a whole other podcast, but I think we've reached peak group activity in this country. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think from everything from uh, sporting events to how people live to how people shop, I think everything's going to start scaling back. At least I hope, you know, and, and a little bit more of a neighborly, you know, you have your neighborhood meat store, your neighborhood, whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's part of why we've reopened the retail store now. Um, you know, after taking a bunch of time off from it, um, it just felt like a good time for it. There's definitely a movement among people to um, shop local and patronize independent businesses versus Mm -hmm. big companies and stuff like that. So um, there's definitely uh, good things going that direction, at least as far as I'm concerned. So did you miss that? Like, sense of community and just kind of like seeing the customers and knowing the customers like you were talking to yeah I missed, about, like, I missed it tons so like i'll give you a, a real quick i'll give you the real quick version of what happened so i had this store i had it was in deptford new jersey it was there for 10 years it was doing great it was like we were killing it um and we had really built up a great reputation we had people driving you know we were People coming over from Philly, from North Jersey, from Delaware were coming to the store. We were really like a real pro shop um, kind of store. And um, I had this opportunity to expand. And I had been thinking about moving into like a larger place as it was with that store. And then this guy I knew was retiring. And he had a store down in Egg Harbor, down near the shore. Oh, Egg Harbor. And um, I made a very quick bad decision to take over that store as a sort of an expansion um, move. And it was a mistake for like a whole bunch of reasons. Like it was so, it's so obvious in hindsight, but at the time it seemed like this great opportunity. So I went into that store. I didn't have like the right staff to manage a store while I wasn't there um, and, you know, things like that. So and then there was like a huge like like micro recession in that Egg Harbor area because like mm-hmm. a whole bunch of casinos closed and like everyone that lives down there works in the casino industry or related to it. So 
it was like ended up being a disaster. It was like a big anchor around my neck, and I got like really stressed out and fed up and just kind of burned out. And so after doing it for a few years, two stores, I just closed it all up. Oh man. And, uh, and then I still did business online and stuff, but I also went to work in some other industries and just, you know, I was kind of like, ah, you know, this, I'm done with this retail thing, like blah, blah, blah. I'm never going back. And, uh, fast forward a few years, we're in the middle of COVID and I can't stand the place I'm working. I'm working for like this flooring company. I'm like, this sucks. I don't what am I doing? And Farrah's kind of like, you should probably open the store, like a music store again. And I was like, well, you know what? I have these ideas to make. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, which is, and it gets into my whole, like, so these rental, this uh, rental business that I, I um, have some uh, plans for that we're not, we haven't really launched yet, but that's where we're heading with this thing. But um, yeah, so she kind of was like the one who's like, you know, I don't think you're really going to be happy until you're back talking to musicians every day and stuff like that. And I was like, you're right. And as soon as we were back here, like, she was just like, yeah, you're kind of back where you belong now. Nice. <laughs> you're hanging, talking to musicians every day and, you know, helping them out, and helping kids get started and do all that See? stuff. That's, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, dude. It's it's like a subculture, you know, the musician world and like it's it exists and most people are unaware of it and you do miss it you know when you get out of it um Mm -hmm. so tell us about the laboratory like what's what is it what's the vision where is it and what do you guys do so um so it's e-commerce and brick and mortar retail our our storefront is in blackwood new jersey which is right outside of philadelphia um we do, it's like a, that part of it is a traditional music store. You know, we're a full line store. We have guitars, drums, keyboards, PA equipment, recording gear, um, accessories, um, all that stuff. And, you know, we sell that stuff and we sell online and we, we do a lot of that because that's the way the world is now. Um, we teach lessons. We have a bunch of lesson studios. I'm sitting in one of them right now. Um, we rent like a lot of gear, like PA gear and stuff like that for bands that need some, like a PA system for a gig, or maybe they don't have something big enough, or maybe they need extra monitors, monitors. or whatever. Yeah, we kind of do all that stuff. Um, my vision for this is to take the rental thing like a step further than really anyone has done before, which is to rent everything. Um, guitars. The whole backline the whole back line, but not just to like touring bands. If a guy like, if a guy wants to come in and just like try out like a few pedals, I'll just rent them to him and let them try mm-hmm. them out, you know, or Sit. whatever. And then really the next step from there is I want it to be a membership, like a club. So you pay your monthly dues to be in the club and you can come take, like if you're at the, basic level maybe you can come take like two or three items out of our inventory at a time um like as if it's a library and use what you want try it out blah 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 and be like you know what this this, like symbol's not doing it for me bring that back take out a different one while you still got the other ones 
And you can hold on to that stuff and use it as long as you want, as long as you're paying your membership fee every month. And, um, you know, kind of, it's kind of like a, a, like a lending library type of thing for gear, um, which I think is, is going to be really appealing to people yeah. now that there's so many Hell options yeah. out there of like stuff. There's like, you know, if you're a guitar player, there are thousands of pedals. Oh like, God, it's, a, it's how insane. are you ever going to like really know which one's right? Unless you get to right. try a bunch. Right. I'm giving you a way to do that. You can come in, swap pedals, get stuff that you need, or maybe like you just need something that you're going to use for a song on a recording and you're only going to use it like one time. You don't need to buy like that 12 string uh, electric guitar. Right. And like, see that's you know? work in music retail for as long as I did. Like you would get these assholes that would come in and be like, Oh, I need a PA system, you know, and they'd buy a full PA system. Then they'd take it have a party blow out two of the speakers and then bring it back and return it. And like, or like a whammy pedal. Whammy pedal at the Sam Ash. I worked at the Sam Ash in Franklin Mills. And um, shout out to the Franklin Mills. Oof. And uh, <laughs> they, you would have like, for some reason, whammy pedal. Like everyone, people would come in and buy it and they'd use it for like one song on a record. And then they'd return it because it's like, who the <laughs> fuck needs a whammy pedal all the time unless you're in Rage Against the Machine or doing a Rage tribute. Like there's not much use <laughs> for this one dedicated piece. So that right. like, and like that, but see that re buy return, buy return, that affects how much it costs for somebody who does want to buy it and keep it forever. You know, it's overhead for the, for the companies makes everything go up, you know, the, for the retail store. So like that eliminates that issue of, you know, trier's remorse. And, you know, I'm a drummer, but I, you know, I also dabble with guitar and like, I always laughed at my guitar players, like the the never ending quest for the tone you know yeah and it's exactly. funny like my dad like is now my dad is always you know he's been a musician his whole life and he's just getting into electric guitars now and when i was like in high school and i i'd kind of switched over to guitar full time and i was constantly buying a guitar and selling it and buying it trading it getting another one rebuilding it selling it and he was always like oh, i don't get why you don't understand you know like just get your guitar and fucking stick with it whatever and then now my dad's like, oh, I need it. I need a baritone for this. And I got to go get this pedal and then uh, this course pedal. And I just smile like ear to ear every time. And I'm like, yeah, how about that? Huh? It's like, you realize now it's not, it's ne it never ends. You do, you're never going to get the sound you want. Right. You get gas. That's right. Yeah. You got that gear syndrome. acquisition syndrome. Yeah. 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 It's bad. It's a real thing, man. That's a, that's an awesome idea. And Dude, that is uh, fucking sick. I'll though. tell you what. That's pretty sick. I'll tell you what, as they say tell out here. Tell you what. As they say out here in Texas. I'm in the market for a new uh, Shore microphone for the podcast, so I'll be hitting you guys up for some e-commerce. Uh, yeah, we got it. We got it. You know, I want that Joe Rogan special. I need that SM7B. You guys carry that? I got it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Hey, and a little cloud yo. a little cloud lifter to get my DBs up. Let's go. New, Let's new, go. New, new or used. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's got to be new. I, feel, I would feel weird breathing on somebody else's microphone. <laughs> Um, do you package that with lessons? Because I got people here at NFL Films that like want to get into like music and shit, but they don't know what the fuck they want. They just like guitar, yeah. acoustic, whatever. Like, do, so does that? Again, I know this is your yeah. vision, but will it also kind of like pair itself with the lessons that you take? Like, I know you don't know what the hell you need, kid. So here's the package that I think you should start with and you can rent that out and then we'll go from there. Like how does, how does that work? Yeah. 
actually you 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 exactly one of the things that I love about the fact once like I think once as a business you commit yourself to rentals it opens up all these ideas so yeah with, with kids taking lessons like let's just use guitar as an example it's an easy one a kid comes in usually they have a really crappy beginner guitar that their parents bought on Amazon for like a hundred bucks or they want to buy one for like a hundred dollars which is going to be a piece of junk it's going to have lousy action it's the going to play pack. bad it's going to have sharp frets it's going to yeah it's going to be terrible so they're, it's actually not going to help them get good at guitar. So it's counterproductive. So what I would rather do is have them be part of our rental program or, or club and just be like, here, here's a high quality guitar. Like here's a $500 guitar for you to start on that you can just have while you're taking lessons. And if you get, don't want to play that one, like say it's a Strat, and you'd rather try like a Les Paul or a Flying V or an acoustic guitar or a bass, you can just come in and swap it. Like, and at your next lesson, you got a different guitar. And it doesn't matter to me because I'm still collecting the rent. So I don't care which one you take, you know. Um, but it's better for the kids because they're going to have a high quality instrument. They're going to have the one they want to play. They're going to stay more interested. They got variety. They can change from a red one to a blue one to a black one. I don't really care. And it keeps it more fun and interesting for them, I think. Same thing like with an Absolutely. amp. You can just swap out an amp. You know, you can go from one amp to another. So, yeah. And then what what I'm doing right now is I'm having new, new kids that sign up get to have, like, the rental for free for three months. And then after Ooh, that. that's sick. Perfect, that's sick. Perfect for the summer. Yeah, and, you and know, like, after that, you know, they're in. To come kind of full circle, like what I was mentioning earlier about, like, I, I had the blessing of my father being a musician. If you're, like, if you're a parent and you have a creative child who's at least interested in the arts, and you don't, not for lack of trying, it's just it wasn't your thing, and you go and you're like, okay, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to get my kid a nice little, oh, I know Fender. You go to Walmart or Sam's Club, wherever, you see these, like, the two ninety nine. I don't know if they're still two ninety nine. They used to be two ninety nine. It's like the Squire Strat Pack, and it's like a decent Strat with a gig bag, a little ten watt amp, and the picks, and the you know the book, all that shit. And you're like, okay, this must be. I recognize this brand. This must be good. It's three hundred dollars, right? You get it for your kid. They take it home. The action is terrible. Now, Darren, when we're talking about the action, we're talking about basically the string height over the frets, and usually these guitars that are mass produced. They're not, they're not really set up. A setup is like fixing the intonation, so it's actually in tune up the neck. So like an E here is an E up here. And then what's the lowest possible height I can get these strings where everything is still in tune and it doesn't vibrate and it's comfortable to play? And there are some people who are crazy people, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan, rest in peace, who liked a, a high action, but he would play these heavy-ass strings and he had some fucking hands on him and he's yeah. digging into the neck you know then you have like the scallop fret guys who high action isn't enough like Ingve Malmstein and he needs to, he needs the fretboard to actually be lower so he can get in even deeper and get even higher pitched you know uh half turns and shit but if you're like a a nine-year-old who just like wants <laughs> to play to guitar play. right he's play. and you get one of these fucking things out of the box and you're and like you physically 
do not have the hand strength to, to press the frets in. That's going to, and not only that, but it's like you're essentially digging your fingers into steel wire that's really tight. You know, like it's not an easy thing to get a child to do. And then like the parent thinks like, hey, I just bought this kid this nice thing, which yeah, you did, but they don't, they don't have the knowledge that like there's an, an extra step. You need, you need to take this guitar to his shop, have the guy set it up, put some lighter gauge strings on it, give your kid a bigger pick. You know what I mean? Sit him down and explain it to him. They just think like, again, like it's like buying a kid an Xbox and you buy him an Xbox and here you go. Here's the controller. Have, have at it. Um, having that knowledge, you know, like the, the, the resource to be like, Hey, look, like you said, you're not sure if you want this. Here's a, here's a guitar and it's set up ready to go. Like it's probably, I would assume you would be comfortable playing it. You know what I mean? Aaron? Like right. if you're yeah. going to play yeah. it, it should be yeah. no problem for this kid. And like, that's one of those things where it's like this secret knowledge of being a musician that unless you've got somebody that's a musician already, or like, you know, it's kind of hard to, to do that. And I wonder how many kids get turned off of music, you know, I mean, dude, it'd be like, you know, the, in football, like you'd be like sending kids out with no pads yeah, and dude. be like, what do you mean you don't like this? Yeah. What's not yeah. to like? You're like, I'm getting my ass kicked here. What do you um, mean? Too big, or pads are too big. Your right. helmet's too big. Or a or... mouth guard that's for yeah, me, like, not you, for a, a, a yeah. 10 year old. Yeah, yeah, your shoes are the wrong size. Like, right. You, know, you, can't, you can't do it. What are we yeah. doing? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> get the neck brace, yeah. kid. That's what you need. Like, right. what? no. Right. Get the big neck collar on you. But, that, dude, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. And, you know, I always used to tell my, my customers, you know, they were buying it for the first time, like, hey, look, go a little up, get a little bit better. Let us set it up for you. And then you would have people, again, and this is the one thing, be like, so why are you selling stuff that's not ready to go? It's like, <sighs> I don't have time to explain to you supply chain and economics and, you know, global industry. But <laughs> just like basically, <laughs> basically they're selling you a piece of shit to get it out the door. That, you know what I mean? Like you, you got to put a little well, work like, into it. Yeah, it's like, okay, if you want a guitar that is $199, the only way you're going to get a guitar that's $199 is it's going to be made by kids in China, and, <laughs> and they don't know how to set it up. up. They're going to slap it They're going to slap it together, they're going to throw it in a box, and they're going to send it to you. That's the only way you're going to get your guitar at that price point. If you want something nice, it just costs more. Like, yeah. It is, so. I, yeah. I'm not going to say where it was. Uh it wasn't Best Buy, but I sold a, a strap pack once that came back. Like, you would sell them, like, early December. You know, the parents would put it away for Christmas. And then, like, you know, the immediately after Christmas, there'd be a couple parents that come back and be like, this is whatever. I remember having one come back that the headstock was, like, the, the decal that they put on it was was completely upside down. And it's like. <laughs> how do you like how do you put the logo on upside down like imagine you go buy a, a toyota camry and the fucking logo is it's a chevy logo you'd be like what like just how does this work you know and it's like you see those kind of things and and you, you understand why and nowadays like that world music factory in south korea it doesn't matter what instrument you buy they're all made in the same place by the same people and it's like they've got one production line where they just the guitar goes through it comes off and it goes into a box and it dies the, then the same people, then they set it up, you know, uh, or they attempt to. And, uh, yeah, you get some, you get some interesting finds when you're working music retail and you, you, you put yeah, a few of those things sure. out there. 
that's that's <laughs> awesome, man. Um, so what? How many? I mean, I, I'm not asking you to get into details of your business here, but um, I mean, how many lessons are you guys doing a month, roughly? Like, do, do you is that primarily your your main thing? Is is lessons? No, it's not. It's really. Um it's really, it's really sales and rental is our first business. Um, but the, when you have a brick and mortar store, the lessons are, um, kind of, if you know how to do it right, it's, it's like a, just a smart move because it can, it can run itself with a lot of, without a lot of administration once you have it set up right. And your lessons can basically pay for all your overhead. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, you just then need your good sales teacher. are, then your sales are like just, you know, your icing. So, um, so right now, since we just reopened, we don't have that many students yet. We have three instructors on staff and we got like a dozen students. Um, and we've been doing it for like five weeks now. Dude, that's pretty um, fun. Good. Yeah. At our old store, like we usually averaged about 120 a month, um, students, um, and that was mainly cause we sort of maxed out, like we didn't have any more room. So that's what we could, that's what we could handle. Nice. Now, if someone say so they, they come in, they say, Hey, Aaron, I want to learn how to play Meshuggah. I want you to teach me how to play Meshuggah music. Is that something you guys do? Will you teach somebody like, Hey, you want to learn one style? That's fine. Or do you, do you do like a, a program to get to that point? Like w if somebody's already a musician and they say, I, I want to learn how to play bleed by Mishuga, can you bring them in and be like, yeah, okay, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, if someone's already playing and they just want help learning like a particular style or technique, yeah, we can, we can do that. If we have a beginner that comes in and says that we'll say, sure, we can get you there, but we got a few steps before you're going to yeah, do it. <laughs> See, one of the, yeah, some one of the things I, I picked up on early in my, cause again, I started drumming when I was five and I think my first time my dad tried to teach me, you know, and it didn't work because I just didn't want to listen to my dad. You know what I mean? And, uh, I hear it. I'd be all the time. And mm -hmm. I, I went to this, my dad took me to this one teacher and it just, I don't know if I was too young or what, it just didn't click. And I didn't, I wasn't doing it didn't work for me. So I, I dropped that. And then I was kind of self-taught for a long time, but I was also going to a school with a music focus, uh, private instruction at school, jazz band, orchestra, you know what I mean? Like I was getting it from school and then I would take that and come home and put on a Slipknot record and figure it out from there. Um, and then, you know, I got an amazing teacher who, by the way, Daryl, I've never mentioned, I don't, you might've mentioned this, the first time Mangini was in the pod, Kerry Watson, who was my drum teacher, was actually a student of Mike Mangini's at Berkeley. And then years later, and we come all full circle. But um, I met this amazing drummer, Kerry Watson, who, who sold me my first big drum kit uh, at Guitar Center. It was a Red Gretsch Catalina Birch seven piece. And uh, I studied with him for like three, four years. And then I stopped, some things came up, and then. I would go back and get a lesson or two here or there. Then I would start finding other people, you know, Matt Halpern's of the world, the Mike Mangini's of the world. And I would just like take a lesson or two here or there. And I learned really early. I was like, oh, dude, you don't have to, you don't have to make this like a, a regimen, you know, like you don't have to do it every week. 
Like when you get to a certain point and you want to brush up on something, you want to learn something, go find a teacher, find a different teacher. Like, yeah, it's great to go to the laboratory and, and go soup to nuts. But like once you get to a certain point, you can go find another teacher or maybe there's a different teacher that does different style. And like, I wish I would have known that maybe ten, five, six years earlier, you know, that like the, the trick is really learning from a bunch of people at the same time. Um, and, and you get that different perspective. And like, I was really focused on metal, but I'm studying with this guy who was an expert at, in Latin grooves, you know, and, and gospel drumming and like that influenced my style. So then once I started gigging with a metal band, I had this really unique thing that stood out, but it was only because I went and spent two years with a guy that only taught me Latin percussion. Yeah. 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 It's the truth. I, I think you hit us. There's a point where you, you get to a certain level and, and, the best thing for you once you're at that point is more perspectives and more mm -hmm. ideas because it's like, okay, I got all the fundamentals down. Like now I need new thoughts to come into my head, you know, new fresh perspectives on playing and music and stuff like that. And that's, you only get that from other people. And I think you it's, know? I think it's great to get, you know, if I had a five-year-old today that wanted to learn, music it's great to like get their interest with stuff that they want to learn and give them that like okay we're gonna do smoke on the whatever and you get them early on things they want to learn and then it's like okay we're, we're gonna study indian percussion like we're gonna get we're gonna get weird you know and like we're gonna i'm gonna teach <laughs> you about this counting method and like you know and you <laughs> you learn these things you don't want to learn and that's hard to do for like a especially like a young teenager who's like I'm trying to play guitar to get chicks, bro. Like, what, what the fuck right. are you talking to me about samba? You know, <laughs> when, when am I going to play samba? And I'm, and I'm like, listen, there's going to be a time. You, maybe you get a, maybe get a gig playing with a Latin band. There's going to be a lot of ladies there wanting to dance. Like, trust me. That's the other That's thing right. with, with music. Like very lonely. Like if you start young, it's a very lonely kind of nerdy, almost socially excluded pursuit until if you keep up with it long enough and you get good enough. And then once you're like 19, 20, 21, and then all of a sudden it shifts and you're cool as shit and you're playing in bars and clubs and there's girls or guys or whatever you're into. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, yeah, while you guys were going and playing softball or whatever the fuck, I was in there <laughs> learning my Latin grooves and now look who's dancing to my beat, you know? That's right. Up, up, here on the, circle of life, up here on the stage looking like a golden god just like i intended it's all coming together it's yes. all coming together and, and, and you know to, to the every man and every woman listening to this podcast hey, look it's not all about meeting ladies and guys and stuff like it's just a one it's just a nice cross section of being a musician that uh yeah you get out a, in the world. a little side benefit yeah although you you can outkick your coverage and fall into I think all three of us here on this podcast. Yeah, we all outkicked our coverage. We all did. Yeah, we're all blessed and highly favored. Yes, we're yes all we are. Now, on that topic, uh, as we wind down here, what's it like for you playing in a band uh, with your wife as the the front front lady, front gal? Is that yeah, uh, what's that like for you from from a band member perspective? Um, you know, it's actually it's for us. It's to it's totally cool. Like, um. First of all, like my nature, I'm like really laid back anyway. Like I don't really usually get it's it takes a lot to get me like kind of flustered or pissed off or fired up. So that probably helps. Um, but what also helps, I think, is 
a lot there's a lot of respect for the skills like Farrah's a top-notch singer like yes she is and um so there's never any kind of awkwardness because like you know maybe i'm sitting there going oh you didn't really do that that well you know uh i never i never i never had that happen so that makes things pretty easy um i you know if if she wasn't as skilled as she is maybe maybe we wouldn't even be doing it because then you know it could create some weirdness so um she's got a great yeah, stage good. presence it's too a lot of fun great yeah, great presence cool. the crowd the crowd likes her yeah, and, and we, we talked about it on the pod. I wasn't just saying. It. I mean, she can she can really sing, and she's Chops. got <clears throat> like there's a there's a you need to be able to sing, and you got to have the charisma. And like you can look at somebody like I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan, and this is I'm not taking a shot at Axl Rose at all. But like if you put if you sat Axl Rose down next to Seal and Celine Dion, and you said, you know, who's the pick? choose two singers. Axel Rose would not be <laughs> the guy that you'd be like, now that's a, a vocal talent right there, you know? But like he had his unique thing plus an unlimited supply of charisma and presence. And it's like, it works. You know, Vince Neil's another one. I mean, how many times you see Vince Neil, these videos come out where he's, and you're like, Ooh, God, dude, you need to, it's time, you know, but he's still killing it. You know, it still, it works. It still works for him. So, yeah. like, you've got to have, you know, if you can sing and you have presence and you have that intangible it factor, you can uh, you can get a lot done. Yeah, for sure. I got to ask one question, and it's it's been burning my brain ever since Farrah was on the pod with us. And I asked her this, this question, too, and she had a, a, a really kind of meticulous way of kind of basically dispensing all the information. But I want to ask you, since you're the second part of the dynamic duo, Okay. How in the hell do you guys make all that you do work? Like your retail, two bands, like lessons and everything and modeling and freaking, and then also find time. Like I'm like, we're all married here. So like, I'm, I'm here. I'll rock 86 hours a week here at NFL films, cutting shit. Like I'm here now. I'll probably be here till I'm at, I'm at work right now. I'll probably be here till like 11 o'clock, but like you guys still are able to do all of that and then find time for each other. That shit should be on like (laughs) a, a stone tablet for like 500 years down the line for people to figure this shit out. Like, how do you do it? Like, that's crazy to me. Um, race. I would say, one is Google Calendar, and two is is we don't have kids, so I I, I got to imagine. But you, you got a dog, so gotta like be a big part of it. You the, dog can, you know, the dog can dog can sleep all day at home, you know. Um, <laughs> I, it's got to be a big part of it because, like, if we had kids, I don't think we could be doing a lot of things that we do. We we'd be we wouldn't have time. So throw a couple soccer practices in there. The whole thing is off. Yeah, you know, because uh, you know some of you know a lot of my friends that that have kids stopped playing music um, for many years, and like, or some of them are now just coming back to it because their kids are getting old enough to be like left alone and stuff yeah. like that. So 
Uh, I think that's just being truthful. That's probably a big part of it is the fact that we missed the window on having kids and cause we got married pretty late. So I still don't understand. He's just only 24 hours in a day. And like, you're still rolling. <laughs> she's feel, real, like, when she, when she told us like her schedule, yeah, it's pretty wild. And then she's like, Oh, and I also got to do it. I also got to do this. Me and Aaron got to do this thing. And we got to have our date night. And then we got to do then. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. But you'll also see me like we're sitting, we'll be sitting there watching a movie tonight and I'll have the laptop out doing like work for the website and stuff. So you always, always, lot, that's a lot of like multitasking and stuff. That's, that's why you, that's why you're an everyman. It's that everyman uh, grind, man. It's, it's it true. Doesn't, doesn't Very quit. true. Now, last, yeah, last, you just uh, got to hustle, you know? Absolutely. Hell yeah, dude. Last uh, little bit here before we went down and we get the plugs in. Now I asked you what your influences were when you were starting out. And obviously, you're still a working musician. You know, you're still listening to music. I'm assuming you listen to current stuff as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's like my cross to bear to try and alert as many humans in this world to Meshuggah. So I try to I try to talk about them <laughs> once every two to four episodes. I, I try to bring it up. Uh, what what kind of uh, who who are you listening to now? Like, is there any you know what what kind of stuff are you getting influenced by, or what what are you enjoying right now, music wise? Um, man, I'm, I'm all over the place all the time. Um, you know, over the last, last, like, I don't know, 10 years, my favorite bands have included like Soundgarden, um, Death Cab for Cutie, um, Nevermore, um, Nevermore sick. Those, those, those really stand out for me. And yeah, now they're That's Jeff Loomis. shame. He's, That's uh, Jeff Loomis's yeah, he's, band. He's fucking yeah. sick. But the, the singer passed away, so yeah. they're gone. But, um, yeah, like, I was just listening to them the other day, you know, like, one of their albums from a few years ago. I'm like, man, it's so badass. But, um, yeah, just kind of all over the place. I like a lot of different metal stuff. I like some a lot of alt-rock stuff. I like, I like my grunge. I like my hair metal. So um, there's a lot of new bands that I actually like a lot. Um but I might not know the names of them. I just like hear it on Sirius or something like that. And I'm just like, this is a good jam, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, as a guitar player, you'll, you'll appreciate this. This is the last time I'm going to say this on the podcast today. Check out Meshuggah and check out Animals as Leaders. If you, oh, it, I know, I know both of them. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cause I was going to say some kid's going to come in and be like, Hey, I, I want to play an eight string. And you're gonna be like, what the fuck? Like, Oh yeah. yeah. Dude, I, I don't, I don't know where they're going next, like especially the stuff that Tosin Abasi is doing with the eight strings. Like, but it, I don't know how guitar can get any better in the next ten years. But yeah. he's going to be the one to Good do point. it. And there, you're like, it's and then you see kids doing it. You know, it's just it's it's a great time to be a musician. All the all the technology, you know, between the axe effects and the recording equipment. I remember when I was getting out of high school. It was a reasonable thing, maybe reasonable, but sort of reasonable thing to be like, I'm going to go to college to learn how to be a recording engineer. And like, thank God I didn't do that because like, I know a lot of guys my age that went out and have $200,000 worth of loan debt still to learn how to use Pro Tools. And it's like, boy, did that change, you know? Um, and like now there's no, there's no, like you're going to go to school. Okay. Good good luck with that. 
Why don't you go to school to drink water too, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no need, you know? There's, 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 there's no need for it. Um, so, Aaron, where can, you know, somebody wants to check out the laboratory, you know, maybe take a look at what you have online. Um, what's the best way to keep up with the business and, and engage and, and maybe pick up a new microphone? Uh, so the website is thelaboratory.com, T-H-E, laboratory.com. And uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook as uh, the Laboratory Music Store. Um, it's pretty easy to find. You'll see that, like, thing. That's pretty nice. Um, the Adam, the yeah, guitar Adam. Yeah, you'll see the Adam, yeah, with the guitar. And uh, that's where we're at. But the lab, thelaboratory.com is uh, where our inventory is and information there's a blog that's up there that doesn't get updated as much as it should but it's there and i'll tell you what where can we go to catch you strumming like a fucking badass for the sanctuary where can we go to see that uh sanctuary yeah we didn't talk about that but um you can see that at uh racks in atco new jersey um i think next saturday maybe the one after that um, locally, though, around South Jersey all the time, you know, with Sunset Strip and, and Sanctuary, uh, Tom and Jerry's in Pennsylvania, uh, Laughing Fox, Rax, you know, everywhere they have live music, those bands are we're playing there. So that's awesome. Sweetness. Man. That's awesome. And uh, social media, everything on there for, for your bands there? Where, where can people keep yeah, up with that? Uh, Facebook, Sanctuary 90s, 90S. And uh, Sunset Strip is Sunset Strip Band NJ. That's awesome. So Facebook. Well, I'll tell you what, Aaron. You're just just like your uh, let's call her the better half. Uh, you're you're an absolutely <laughs> definition of an everyman. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Love to have you back on and uh, hear all about what's going on with the laboratory. And all those links are going to be in the show notes. So if you're listening to this episode on uh, your podcast platform of choice, thank you for listening. We hope yeah. you subscribe, leave a review for us, tell us what you like. Scroll up on your app. The link to the laboratory uh, will be right there for you to check it out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe. Look how handsome we are. If you want to see more of this, subscribe. You can get all of this right here on YouTube. And uh, Aaron, you're the man. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And uh, we wish you the best. We'll see you soon, brother. Thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it. Mm.